On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, Jackie D and I have finally failed you. We've met our match with Marcus Luttrell's bullshit masterpiece, Lone Survivor, the eyewitness account of Operation Red Wing, and the lost heroes of SEAL Team 10, which Hollywood somehow was able to salvage in the 2013 screen adaptation, Lone Survivor. But we asked the question, how does one forget the name of their own operation? Really? Also, seems a bit too convenient, doesn't it? Content warning. Uh, it, there is a lot of graphic violence that we're, we're going to talk about. Uh, and also, it's just complete and utter bullshit from Marcus Luttrell, it is. Welcome back, everyone. If you are a hard-charging patriot who thinks Marcus Luttrell walks on water, you may want to skip to a different episode because this is not going to be pretty. We have the utmost respect for our brothers and sisters in uniform, and especially those who knowingly risk their lives on operations such as Operation Red Wings. But we have our concerns about Mr. Luttrell. As always, if you decide to stick around, we'd appreciate a like, follow, share, possibly five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Read, Watch, or DNF Podcast. This week, our F-bombs, uh, we're dedicating them to ourselves because we earned it for what we had to go through <laughs> this week with this fucking book. <sighs> But, you know, <laughs> Jackie, what are we drinking to get us ready for this? Um, all kinds of stuff, and I'm not even kidding about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started out with a Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager, because, you know, drink local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then at uh, dinner, I had a couple Dos Equis. You sure yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. And... Now I'm currently on a Crown Royal Peach Tea, because that's what they had at Wally World. So good. But I will be following it up with a Crown Royal Washington Apple, which you might remember from, what was it, Red Badge of Courage? Because yep, America? Yeah, All-American. Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, we're mixing it all up. Um, at dinner, I had a bunch of mojitos, strawberry mojitos that had a bunch of passion fruit rum in it. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, I should say those were amazing. I had multiple. Um, now we're home, and I bypassed the easy stuff, and I went straight for the moonshine cherries. What is what brand is that? Old something? What is it? Old Smoky. Old Smoky. I don't know. You probably, if you on TikTok or Instagram, you're seeing those challenges where people are eating them straight out of the jar, and they're not bad. Uh, they're chocolate they cherries, but. Yes, we got the chocolate cherries one, and they are fucking amazing, so I would say go. So what I did is I took a ladle full of them and put it in the bottom of my pseudo Yeti here. Um, then I poured some pink something vodka on top of it, and then on top of that, I poured this Devil's Backbone Lemonade Smash, which is just, it's just lemonade juice, or no, vodka with lemon juice. So, um, yeah, I, I've just layered liquor upon liquor. <laughs> We're going to feel good this. tomorrow. 
Yeah. And I'm actually almost done with this one, so I'm probably going to have to pause here in a second and get another glass. <laughs> and I'm going to eat all the cherries out of the bottom of it and then start over again. And we have to work tomorrow, so, you know, Yay. that's going to be amazing. It's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. I, Jackie usually finds us a drinking game. She was super fed up this week, so I just went ahead and uh, said, fuck it. I made my own. And what my drinking game for this movie is anytime you see Marcus Luttrell, the actual Marcus Luttrell, his fat face pop up on screen, just take a shot and yell, go fuck yourself. All right, let's get into who read first and who watched first. I preferred the uh, the good old standard red watched. I know. I'm actually trying. It's it's an active thing that's happening when I go through that because my body wants to say red watch, but I'm like, no, 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 stop, stop. It's getting old. People don't care anymore. But it'll. I'll let it slip eventually. Okay. I read first on Kindle. Obviously. I do own the book, but it's packed up in boxes somewhere in the great state of Florida, Sunshine State, where it rains every day. Every day. Every day. And I own the movie on Amazon Video, so I watched it on there. I watched first. I've seen this movie a couple times before. I I own it on Apple, so I knew it was there. Loving it. And then I uh, dived into this paperback that Jackie and I actually found together at Barnes and Noble when we were stocking up on a our you know future episodes and I was like it's, it's a pretty book you know it's it's white it's got the navy seal it's very simple very simple this one though it does have the stupid you know now a, a motion or a major motion picture like fake sticker on it I, I typically hate those this one isn't too bad uh yeah so yeah, I can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, let's get into what this story is about. And it is um, allegedly a true story uh, told by the, as the cover says, the eyewitness account of Operation Red Wing. So I, I assume they mean Marcus Luttrell's eyewitness account. Yes. Because he's the only one that actually walked away from it. Uh, Overview, synopsis of the book. uh, On a clear night in late June 2005, four U.S. Navy SEALs left their base in northern Afghanistan from the mountainous Pakistani border. Their mission was to capture or kill a notorious Al-Qaeda leader known to be ensconced. It's a great word. In a Taliban stronghold surrounded by a small but heavily armed force. Less than 24 hours later, only one of those Navy SEALs remained alive. It was published in 2007, two years, almost two years to the day uh, after the events took place. Uh, The full title, like Mel said before, is Lone Survivor, the Eyewitness Account of Operation Red Wing and the Lost Heroes of SEAL SEAL Team 10. And it was published by Little Brown and Company. Over to you, Mel. Thank you, Jackie. So on IMDb, if you look it up, this is what it. This is a synopsis of the movie. Marcus Luttrell and his team set out on a mission to capture or kill notorious Taliban leader Ahmed Shah. In late June 2005, Marcus and his team are left to fight for their lives in one of the most valiant efforts of modern warfare. Left to fight. That makes it seem like they were abandoned yeah. there. But anyway, whatever. 
It was released on January 10th, 2014. January 10th is actually my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, it was. It's rated R for strong, bloody war violence and pervasive language. Uh, estimated budget was about forty million, but worldwide it only grossed about one hundred and fifty-four, almost fifty-five. Mm. Which, ugh. I guess it's not terrible. It's almost four times the budget, but still, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's not bad. I, I guess. Budget to profit is not is not too bad. I think we're just still. I don't know the last time a war movie came out in like the last decade that's done really well, like an actual like an American war movie. Yeah, I I can't. I, I, I would have to look at the it. numbers for American Sniper, but that that's really about a single person and his life. It's not really yeah. a, a just specifically the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we might have to look into that, but for sure. Yep. All right, let's get into the reviews of uh, said book and said movie. Remember, we only do user reviews now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that okay. We don't care about the critics, but sometimes they're funny. We learned that during Twilight, but maybe <laughs> well, we'll check back in with them later. No, Mel and I have been watching this series called The History of Horror, and. Freaking! Mm-hmm. It's not even shade. It's just blatant, like ripping apart of Twilight, and the whole mm. complete rewrite of vampire lore. It's hilarious. Because they go through all the different types of vampires in this one episode, um, and then they're like this and that and this and that, and then all of a sudden it just goes silent. And it goes, and then there's Twilight. <laughs> but I, you know, it's pretty cool that they added yeah. it. They're actually talking about yeah. it because it's not a horror movie. No. But they added it to this. 100% not a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> but they gave it some street cred because it's got vampires. <laughs> anyway, off off topic. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anytime we can go back and rip on Twilight, it's just a bonus, I think. Oh, I'm all about it. Rip on Twilight or tie it to Jane Austen. Yeah. That's really all I do this podcast yeah. for. I don't think there's any connections to Jane Austen <laughs> in this one, so unfortunately. I can find it. Yeah. Okay, book reviews. Uh, Average of 4.32 out of 5 on Goodreads, and that is just under 86,000 ratings. Of those ratings, 7,035 people actually wrote reviews. Uh, Overwhelmingly liked, because uh, 5 out of 5 gets 54% of the ratings. And four out of five is twenty-eight percent. Three out of five is eleven. Uh, two out of five is three percent, and one out of five is one percent. This one, str- this is one of those people are afraid. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like with uh, Little Women. Nobody yeah. wanted to give it a bad review because it's a classic, and if you don't like it, then you're crazy. Uh, but. This one, it was, Call me crazy. yeah, this one, uh, it was a lot of the five out of fives that I was going through. People spending more time not actually reviewing the book and yeah. then what they were actually doing was saying how these are the reasons why you should like this book. And if you don't like this book, then you're not patriotic enough or you hate America. And go fuck yourself. Yeah. So the five out of five, I had heard... 
that Marcus Luttrell was a lone survivor of his, <laughs> yeah, of his SEAL team, but I had no idea of how miraculous his survival was. I also didn't realize how much the team's fear of a vicious liberal media made in this tragedy. tragedy. Oh I wish that our fighting men and women didn't have to fear our own people. We are at war and need to be able to operate freely and be trusted to make the right decisions. This is the part that kills me. So they just talked about how people who are out on the front lines yeah. need to have the freedom to do what they think is the right thing at that time. Then this person yeah. goes on and says, granted, there need to be rules and limitations. Yeah. According to who? <laughs> like, whose rules and limitations are we going to follow? Uh, but because these... I know, there's like that yeah. Geneva Convention. Yeah. <laughs> But because these men feared what would happen to them when they got home, they released prisoners that gave away their position and got them killed. What a tragedy. I hope this amazing man's story will help change in at least some way the way we treat our wonderful brothers and sisters who sacrifice so much for us. And underneath that, I put a little note that said, we have rules of engagement and follow them for the most part. I'm not going to say everybody does. So we don't end up committing atrocities. These are human beings, fellow human beings that we're out there up against. There. Yeah. And also the the prisoners that they're talking about, um, the reason they let them go, it did not kill them or tie them up to a tree is because they actually were not prisoners. Yeah. They were goat herds. They yeah. Go. They were goat herds. Yeah. Who happened upon them? Yes. I've been to Afghanistan. There's a lot of question as far as where loyalties lie. A lot. But if you read reports about those three, because from the time that they let them go and then the time that they were overrun, it was not enough time for any of them to make it back to any village. And they did not have phones or radios on them. So... Most of the consensus is that those goat herders or whatever had nothing to do with them getting attacked. Now, do we know? Absolutely not. We were not there. But that's just what reports, intelligence reports, after action reports, that's what it all kind of assumes. Yeah. So. it That whole part of the story, I think, is complete conjecture on his part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's no way for him to know. Or even if he didn't say it explicitly in the book, that's what people are interpreting it as. Yeah. yeah. And the, the part in this review is like, oh my god, I didn't know the liberal media was... So okay, listen, listen. Yeah, liberal media is fucking annoying. I'm, I'm with you. All media is annoying. Mm -hmm. But him, the way he talks about liberal media in this book is like, dude, get over yourself. Is Fox News funding this manuscript like what what is this mm -hmm. anyway we digress okay the next one it is fairly long but i really really wanted to read it it is a two out of five it seems kind of like a random rating to go with but i started reading this and i was like i am so with you taylor that's the person's <laughs> name what's up taylor so with you okay I really wanted to like Lone Survivor. I mean, it's theoretically about a guy who survives an ambush by the Taliban when his teammates do not, goes on to receive shelter and protection from a brave Afghan village, and then writes about the bravery of his teammates 
who fought to their deaths. But the book is essentially Marcus Luttrell patting himself on the back. For more than 100 pages, he writes about training to become a Navy SEAL and how tough he is. I'm not saying that it is a small thing to get through that. I could never, ever, ever be that tough. I'm with you. I'm so with you. I hated basic training in the Army, and and Mm -hmm. I guess that makes me a little bitch, but I'll take it. I made it through. (laughs) I did it. Yeah. But these anecdotes are only about him, not the medal shown by the rest of his SEAL class, except for the ones that drop out. That's the only ones that he even begins to go into. And anyway, the book is supposed to be about the bravery of his lost teammates. About 100 pages are eventually dedicated to his interaction with the team, and he does laud their bravery and determination in the face of horrific injuries. However, it seems like most of his recollections are of the teammates making bad decisions when Marcus knew better, or of Marcus doing heroic things. And I'm sure he did. I'm not making light of his service to his country, his willingness to risk his life for his country. But again, he himself says the book is supposed to be about the bravery of his teammates. The rest of the book is about Marcus bravely evading capture, barely mentioning his friends until he comes to the end where he talks about how he very graciously tours the country, comforting the families of his lost teammates. Again, it's an... And lying to them. It's an admirable thing to do, but it seems like he's pointing out the fact that it was an admirable thing to do. It's, it's like people who give to charity and they're like, I do it because, you know, people will applaud me for it. That's not why you do charity. And it's a tax write-off. Yeah. And while he bravely evaded his trackers for one night, he is also taken in by an incredibly brave Afghan village who protect him from the Taliban forces in the face of terrifying threats. He acknowledges the risk this village has taken, but more than anything, he complains that they gave him a dirty water bottle and that the goat's milk tasted bad and that there was a rooster crowing outside his window or his room. The book is interspersed with diatribes about the liberal media and the liberal lies they perpetrate. He says the liberal media seeks to make Americans hate U.S. troops. This alone seems incredibly wrong to me. It is my perception that criticism of the military by the media is nearly always directed at A, incredible atrocities like Haditha or Abu Ghraib, or B, poor military decisions by the higher-ups. Instead, Marcus also says something to the effect of the Geneva Convention is a bunch of liberal bullshit made up by liberal politicians who have never experienced war. It's also something liberal media uses to incriminate U.S. troops. He says if you don't want to see the loss of innocent life, don't go to war. By association, he thinks the liberal media has no right to criticize or even report innocent loss of life in war due to U.S. activities. I can see where he's coming from to a degree. <laughs> the havoc that is wreaked on his teammates spawned primarily from a decision to extend mercy to a few unarmed goat herds who happened upon the SEAL's position. The goat herds reported that position to the Taliban, who sent hundreds of men, it wasn't hundreds, to attack the group of four Navy SEALs. In hindsight, it's understandable that Marcus would regret that seemingly humane decision. However, this does not mean that unarmed civilians should generally be killed. The U.S. is not supposed to be ruthless. Again, I really do not wish to criticize the service Marcus dedicated to his country. In fact, his valor is real. Despite his injuries, he turned around and asked to complete his deployment. 
His family and his country should be proud of his service. However, it just doesn't sit well with me that he is billing this book as a tribute to his brave teammates when they really seem to be minor supporting characters to Marcus's lead man, providing a sympathetic plotline to enhance the likability of the main character. I believe that his intentions were probably good, but his severe lack of humility provides prevents Lone Survivor from being the tribute his team deserves. And then they added a note. Other Goodreads users have notified me that Marcus is contributing the profits from the sale of this book to a trust benefiting troops and their families. While this does not alleviate my concerns that the book does not do justice to his teammates, I think he is honoring their legacy and their service by refusing to profit from the book. At which point I say, what are his motives? I don't know. I that that's me personally. I want to know if this person is thinking that it's just a what is it three hundred and ninety pages something like that of him patting himself on the mm-hmm. back. Then it generally leads to the direction of what were the motives for that decision, not not deciding not to profit off the book. But that's that's my own two cents. I'll just leave it at that. I would I would almost put money on it that he's making something off this. It's just in a roundabout way. He's probably the beneficiary of whatever. It's that or charity. or the uh the movie. Yeah. What did he sell yeah. the rights to? No, oh, he's definitely yeah. making money off the movie. He's gonna These reviews were really, really long. That was a very long one. I did find another one that was a one out of five that was equally, if not longer, than that one. Uh, but I just included an excerpt because I think this was the most um, relevant paragraph. Okay. I really wanted to like this book. Half a dozen of my immediate family members are currently serving or have served in the military, and I have nothing but respect for our brave men and women in uniform. And Operation Red Wing, Wing. Mm. I just said that, Red, (laughs) Red Wing, and it's Red Wings... Still closer Two words. than what he calls it. Yeah. The 2005 mission that led to the largest loss of life in SEAL history is the famous incident at the heart of this book. How could an account of that operation and SEAL Team 10 turn out to be anything less than absolutely gripping? Well, Marcus Luttrell and his co-author managed to find a way. Except for the last part of the book, the part that <laughs> details the actual operation and its heartbreaking aftermath... Luttrell's lone survivor manages to to turn what should have been a fascinating count of Navy SEAL training and operations into one of the most annoying, propagandistic, and sleep-inducing chronicles of push-ups and special ops ever written. Yeah. No, that's perfect. That's spot on. That's spot on. Mm -hmm. And with that, I hand it over to you, Mel. Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Let's... Let's jump into the movie reviews. So on IMDb, out of about 285,000, it got 7.5 out of 10 for the user ratings. Which I think is um, it's pretty good for a movie. When you're up there, 7.5 out of 10. The majority of them were pretty high, 8 9s. So I have two 10 out of 10s. I found some, some short and sweet ones, but I, I think they sum it up pretty well. First one, 10 out of 10. It says, intense movie. This is a great movie. It pulls you in. It's intense in its way of pulling you in. That's like, I 
they said it like three different ways. Uh, <laughs> the characters are true and the acting was top draw from all involved. This is a movie not to be missed and one of the finest war movies produced. So, I, I'm not going to be like, yeah, absolutely true, but I don't know if it's the greatest or one of the finest war movies, but I think it's up there. Um, so, I, I agree. I think Next Saving Private Ryan is wow. a pretty good war movie. Yeah. Oh, don't get me. Uh, I think I have a one of these actually mentioned Saving Private Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 10 out of 10. Wow. Action and some. Sometimes we get to see a movie. We think... Well, we have been here before. We may have even seen it all done before. Oh, so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Then, oh yes, dear reader. Then we get into the action and the realization that this is based on a true story. The actor Mark Wahlberg, who plays Marcus, is in almost every film we have seen him in is great. Okay, this person's writing all over the place. I think it might be foreign, too. We know we love our foreign reviewers. Yeah. Uh, exception was Ted. They didn't like Ted. <laughs> so now they're it's so funny. It is so funny. <laughs> that movie is hilarious. <laughs> it is. But I love how they're bringing up Mark, other Mark Wahlberg movies. <laughs> anyway, fuck you, Thunder. We don't often. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, Thunder. <laughs> so we don't often get to the tear tears stage nowadays. Uh, all right. Far too old and set in our ways for mostly any films. Okay. This one does test it all the way, though. Gripping action. Firefights. Enemies never giving up. All the way right through the end. As it is... Okay. As it is based on a true story, you just wonder, why? What is life all about? (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Wait, wait. Mel. Mel. Okay. Um... I've seen this movie now a couple times. Neither time did I suffer an existential crisis. Yeah, neither have I. I'm just like, ooh, no. man, that's brutal. Oh, that sucks. But yeah. why? All caps. <laughs> what is life all about? So then he, he says, or she, whatever, he says, anyway, we both enjoyed this epic adventure. Who's we? Who are you bringing into this review now? <laughs> All the supporting actors do a splendid job. The special effects and general camera work via the director, Peter Berg, makes this film one of the better ones to show the Middle East conflict from the American side of things. Wow. Whatever. Anyway. I, so I found some of these other reviews. Um, this one is really not a review on the movie, but I put it in there because I thought it was funny. So 5 out of 10. This has to be the dumbest group of Navy SEALs ever put on film. One, let's stand around and debate what we're going to do with prisoners we already have tied up. Two, then wonder why the enemy is faster than us. Okay. I don't know about you, and I do not care about the book, but military personnel, especially elite groups, are all business and quick thinkers. That's all caps, mind you. There would not have been any lengthy discussion on what to do with the captives. Fair. They would have been gagged and tied down. End of story. Uh, okay. Also, elite groups are prepared. All caps. All that gear and not one of these clowns have rope. Not one is smart enough to use the belts or clothing of the captives to tie them down with. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is stupid filmmaking at its best. 
Not surprisingly, since the director is responsible for some other garbage. Wow. <laughs> Save your money and watch Black Hawk Down, which blows this movie. Okay. This, there's no there's no punctuation here, so I'm going to assume. He said, which blows this movie something, something, something. And then he's now, or she is now referring to some other reviewer and proceeds. Some clown compared this to Saving Private Ryan. LOL, exclamation, really, question mark, question mark. Wow. It did, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Some clown. Yeah. All right, last one is a one out of ten. It goes, no, 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 stop doing this, is the title. Why do filmmakers today think we have the brain capacity of a five-year-old? The moment I saw the actors in Afghanistan, I knew that some penny-pinching fool had cut back on the locations. Straight away, I knew this was shot in the USA, and the illusion of the film, in, and my, it, was, it was filmed in New Mexico, and my buy-in disappeared, ruining the, rest, ruining the rest of this film, as it was just a bunch of actors running around playing guns. Come on, Hollywood. Pull you head out of your bum. Did they want Apart them to film Walmart, in Afghanistan? Yeah, I don't. Maybe they don't understand that. That's still not. We're, we're kind of not welcome there still. So that would. I mean, we just left there. They don't want us coming back. Mm-hmm. No. Also, I think if you were to pay to film there, you'd just be funding terrorism. But anyway, yeah. you know, I digress. So he goes. Apart from Wahlberg, I didn't buy into any of other. There's no God. This person's just all over the place. Of other actors who looked as hard as my grand fantastic this film mm-hmm. needed pretty boy hollywood in it did it no it did not real <laughs> navy seals aren't pretty boys with stupid beers but trained professionals who do a dangerous role cool and by the way they're talking i feel like this person or talking typing i feel like this person is foreign and then my other question would be how do you know anyway it took me three attempts to watch this drive and each time i tried not to think cheapskate location budget but it never worked ever i can't find any redeeming qualities on this film apart from the end which made me laugh it wasn't supposed to i was just relieved that i didn't have to watch it ever again if you had that much of an issue with it why didn't you just stop just turn it off walk away and And then they wasted more of their time on it because they decided to go and write a review Oh yeah, I've I've been to Coronado when when I was out in California last year for work, and I saw some people running on the beach. Yeah, they are pretty. This they were pretty. Fuck themselves. They were very super pretty. pretty. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the characters. And again, this is autobiographical so the characters are actual human beings they are people who lived and some are still living Uh, so book and movie are going to be the same we have marcus luttrell michael p murphy uh danny Dietz, matthew axelson those are the four that were on the mission um and then there are a few other like you have the commander and some of the other seals that also um passed away during the helicopter crashing um but we're just going to focus primarily on 
these four. So let's talk about casting. We have Mark Wahlberg, who plays Marcus Luttrell. And if you don't know who Mark Wahlberg is, um, I'm sorry. That's sad. <laughs> look, look it up. I mean, go go Marky watch. Mark, come on now. A movie. He's like he's like today's uh, Kevin Bacon. I think you can probably connect him to any yeah, other actor like six in six or less. Wahlberg. Yeah. 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 So then we have uh, Lieutenant Murphy or Michael B. Murphy. He is played by Taylor Kitsch. Kitsch. Mm-hmm. Kitsch. Uh, if if you're unsure of that name, a uh, John Carter. Also, he was in Battleship, Friday Night Lights. Oh, also, uh, Snakes on a Plane. Uh, how are you supposed to say that? Snakes I'm tired on of a... these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Danny Dietz is played by Emil Hirsch. Yeah. Emil? Emil Hirsch, yeah. Okay, we're going to go with I... Emil. I think this is one of the more mainstream roles I've seen him in. Yeah, when I was looking up his IMDb page, because I was like, oh man, I know this face. And he's been in some bigger stuff, like mainstream movies, Into the Wild. He was in uh, Girl mm-hmm. Next Door. But then he does like a lot of really weird random stuff. He does, he does a lot of voiceovers and video games. And, uh, I mean, he's got a big career, but... He's, he, yeah, like you said, not mainstream-ish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we have Matthew Axelson. He is the fourth member of this team. He is portrayed by Ben Foster, who is in literally everything. Everything. I, this I, is true. What has he not been in? Um, but my personal nerd favorite is he did play Medivh in Warcraft. And he was amazing. Did I see that with you in the theater? Warcraft? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I know I took Natalia and the girls like six times in the opening weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Like five times on Saturday and then another time on Sunday. Now you've put a bug in my ear because the second we stop recording, I'm going to pull you downstairs and put it on. Okay. I mean, I've seen the movie, but I'd watch it again. We're going to watch it again, Jackie. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you made me watch Cabin in the Woods yesterday, so... Um, First of all, lies. Correct yourself. Uh, Annabelle made me watch it. Yeah. Your (laughs) daughter made you watch it. I just happened to own it. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I added two more to this list just because we can't go on and not mention them. So, the Lieutenant Commander, Eric S. Christensen, he Mm -hmm. is portrayed by Eric Bana. And please, again, if you don't know who this man is, two words. Google images. Mm. He was in Munich, right? Munich. He was in Troy. He was in in the Time Travelers. He was in uh, Love Him. (laughs) So good. And then uh, last but not least, Shane, who is the young seal, is played by Alexander Ludwig. Duh. Vikings. Vikings. Okay, let's. Okay, first of all, usually we start off like, hey, this is where the movie starts off, this is where the book starts off, but l- let me say this. The soapbox. movie. Yeah, let me get my soapbox out. The movie 
we start, we're like bombarded with a montage of Navy SEAL training. And it is all accurate. It's real footage. It's not uh, B-roll. It's, it's actual footage of Navy SEAL training that you're, you're looking at. So that's cool. But I realize reading this book, the first like 160 pages of this, and not even the full first 160, it's like a hundred or so, and then we get to the training, which is why they put that intro. That was the way that they sort of tied that part of the book into the movie, was by this training montage. Because there's a whole portion here where he talks about his training. Um and some of you might be going, well, what does it matter? So he, they show training and he's talking about his training. Okay, this is what the matter is. Everyone, hold on to your fucking seats because I'm about to spell it out for you. Let me read this title of the book. Lone Survivor. The eyewitness, eyewitness account of Operation Red Wing. That's not even the right fucking name because it's Red Wing one word and it's supposed to be Red Wings. Like the anyway. hockey team. Yeah, because they were all named after hockey teams. But we digress. And the lost heroes of SEAL Team 10. So this book is 388 pages, give or take, depending on hardback, paperback, Kindle, whatever. But now, let's go to page 160. This is where Chapter 6 starts. And Chapter 6 is where they're finally going to Afghanistan. The first 160 pages is about Marcus and his stupid, doofy-ass twin brother wrestling alligators and how his family was really bad about investing their money in shit and were poor and how they were living in Texas. Oh, why do I... Fu- oh, you know this part. You know this part I really fucking hate about this book. I'm just going to go off right now. Uh, he's talking about how he always knew he was going to be a SEAL and whatever because... Daddy told me this, and I was like, Dad, and I'm going to be big and bad, and I'm going to be good at things. Um, but then he talks about how he's like, him and his brother are struggling through college, but he ends up enlisted in the Navy anyway. So, unless you're trying to become an officer, what, why, did you, why were you struggling through college with four jobs if you knew from the time you were a baby wrestling alligators in Texas that you were going to be a fucking Navy SEAL. Why? Why did I have to hear about you struggling through college? I don't care. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb. First 160 pages of this god-awful fucking book is just about him talking about the liberal media and his brother wrestling alligators and his mama and daddy and the horses. and then, Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Uh, okay, and then we get to the training, where he he's such a badass. He's such a bad... Him and his brother are badasses. And all these motherfuckers are dropping out of SEAL train because they're not badasses because of the liberal media. That's... that's that, that right there, I've just summed up the first 160 pages of this book. So, uh, if you decide that you do want to read it, just jump ahead. I gave you I gave you the rundown. We're good. Then... We get where they're finally going to Afghanistan. Still, nothing's really fucking happening. Just complaining about shit. Just complaining about how these people, they hate us there. They hate us. No shit. Of course they hate us. Our ideals and theirs do not match up. We are well, at war with I, them because they hate us. I can, I can 
counter that. I interact and I interacted with locals all the time. The only ones that ever stared at me with anything that even remotely looked like hatred were the older men. I met plenty mm-hmm. of of the younger generation who did nothing but want to like hang out with us. We had water balloon fights with these guys. Like yeah, they would no, they would they would come to clean the bathroom and they came armed with full water balloons and and we would just freaking have water balloon fights. All of my deployments in Iraq, the the locals and the um foreign locals that they brought in, like the foreign it, it, so on like a lot of these bases, um you'll have locals that work there, but you'll also have like foreigners that they're pulling in from like Indonesia and Pakistan and other countries that are coming in to work because it's good money for them, right? Uh, I, I never had an issue with any of them. But what I'm describing is he's talking about these operations where they'd go kick down somebody's door and he's like, man, they hate us. You kick down their door at three in the morning, mostly probably because they're terrorist groups, so they already hate you, but you've kicked down their door at three in the morning and are like shooting like flash cameras in their face. Yes, they don't like you. Boo-hoo. Why do I have to read a whole chapter about that? (sighs) Okay, and then we get a whole bunch of these pictures. This is probably the most um, acknowledgement he gives his comrades is the pictures that he puts in here. Um, And then his fucking doofy picture is the last one in there. God, he's a doofy bastard. And his twin brother's just as doofy. Anyway. (sighs) I digress. I digress big thing here though is the movie starts with a little montage right they give us montage of training that's enough that's all we needed they should have did the book version of that i my brother wrestled alligators and i went to seal training the the end for my eyewitness account of operation red wing Mm -hmm. and like jackie and i were saying operation red wing if you read the title of the book it says operation red wing one word this is how did this make it on the cover? This is your book. Sure, you somebody's helping you write it because you're probably a fucking idiot. But he went to the briefings know? to prepare for that mission. How do you not know what your own operation name is? Okay, uh, so that's the beginning uh, of the book. Now the movie, we jump straight into them being in Afghanistan. Um. And some very luxurious bee huts. Yeah, so they're they're sort of on this forward operating base, um, preparing for this operation. And we get uh, some interaction with the characters. You know, we get introduced to Danny. We get introduced to um, Lieutenant Murphy, uh, Marcus, and uh, Matt. So, oh, and then we also get, like, Shane and um, the Lieutenant Commander and, like, a bunch of the other Navy SEALs. Uh, and also Marcus Dutrell because he just had to be in the movie. He just had. And what were they doing with him? Why was he in that big ass beanie with those stupid sunglasses, like just like hunched over next to them? Like, do we know who you are? Um, all I know is that I was there in June of two thousand five, and it was not beanie weather. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, up in the mountains, Bagram, stuff like that. It does not get nearly as hot as it would down in Kandahar or in Iraq or anything like that. But you're no beanies. Come on. They were trying to, like, make him incognito. And it's like, we know who you are. You're putting yourself in the movie. 
because you're craving attention. Why, why are you camouflaged? It was so stupid because every time he's on camera, he's either got stupid beanie like pulled all the way down. He's got big ass sunglasses, all hunched over, like huh, huh, talking. And he's got this stupid little mouth that he can't, he doesn't open up his mouth wide enough to talk. Um, or then when he's on the helicopter, it's just a shot of him. And he's got, again, stupid ass glasses on. Sunglasses. Oh, no, I think they're goggles or something. And then he's got his, his helmet on. He's like, I hated it. It was so fucking annoying. Even when I didn't hate Marcus Luttrell, I still hated those parts in the movie. I thought it was so stupid and just condescending to us. Because, like, we know who that is. He's mm-hmm. literally on Fox News every day, like, every ten minutes on the hour. He's on Fox News. Okay? We know who he is. Stop it. Where was that? <laughs> uh, they're in Afghanistan. They are in Afghanistan. And we're, we're, we're getting to see... Oh, you know what's really nice is... Um, what's his face that plays uh, Lieutenant Murphy? Uh, and, Taylor uh, Kitsch? John Carter. Yeah. I'm just going to call him John Carter. He, he spends a lot of time without a shirt on. Yeah. In the first part of this movie. We and like it. It is nice. It is very nice. <laughs> so beautiful. I'm like, yes, get it. Just walking around with no shirt. I'm like, get it. Um, so there's that. Uh, we see Ben Foster. He's all scruffy. Emailing his wife. Well, this is um, Matt. Uh, oh my God, I'm sorry. Ax- Axelson. Sorry. I'm trying. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> We're going to call him Ax. Um, he, what I did like though in the movie though is on the walls and the pictures and everything are the actual pictures of them, the pictures of their significant others, their spouses, their children. And I, I like that. I Mm -hmm. really, uh, I'm I'm proud of Hollywood of doing that because yeah, we didn't Mm -hmm. need some actress or model playing these people's spouse. No, like honor their families and they did Mm -hmm. so loved it. So we have Axe, he's waking up all gruffy, like, email and his wife is ador- fucking adorable. Um, Mark Wahlberg is, who plays Marcus Luttrell, who's a bachelor. Um, and now I have no doubts as to why at all. So there's that. Well, he he's married with kids now. Yeah, now, because he's got mm-hmm. money. Doofy-ass bastard. Yeah. Dumb-ass bastard. His wife probably attention-seeking whore just like him. Um, if she's from Texas, no doubt. Yeah, she's also has a. I think she's much older than him and has like a grown son. I was reading some article. Listen, I'm not going to shit talk her. That's she has nothing to do with this. I'm sure she's a lovely lady. Uh, this is what I didn't get this from the book. This whole little thing with Shane when he does the um, dance and this, they're sort of like hazing him, but in a funny way, mm-hmm. uh, not, you know, physical. Around. Did that happen? Uh, not in the book. I don't think yeah, I don't so. I remember that Not that I remember, but uh, apparently uh, Marcus Luttrell lived with Peter Berg, the director who also wrote the movie uh, mm-hmm. for a while before they started filming. And I don't know if it's just something that came up in stories or if it was something that was totally invented. I don't know. Honestly. Did you say lived with him? Yeah. He moved in with him. Why? I don't know. Research? That's so weird. Yeah, he okay. moved into Peter Berg's house. That is so 
fucking weird. I'm going to leave that at that. You know what that says to me? I got out of the military, and I don't want to move back in with mom and dad. I don't live with mommy and daddy and the horses wrestling alligators in Mm -hmm. Texas. No offense, I'm not, that's not an accent trying to offend anyone from Texas. We love you. We love our Texans. And that sounds more like, um, Georgia. No, Georgia's like the, like the, the rooster from Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do, I do, I do declare. I, I, I do declare. <laughs> anyway, okay, okay, okay. So, Let's talk, okay, let's just get into the meat me part. So we get that, we get all this cute kind of stuff, and they're, they're going out on the mission, right? We're, we're, it's just that, it's that movie Hollywood way of, like, letting you build a relationship with the characters, right? Because Marcus Luttrell doesn't do that for us. <laughs> we don't learn, any, we don't build any sort of relationship with these these men that are heroes. Because Marcus Luttrell's like, oh yeah, yeah, they're bad too, love them, love them. But listen to me about wrestling alligators. Hmm. I'm really good at stuff. I'm really good at swimming. Um, yeah. So the movie again, Hollywood's like, uh, um, we should probably do a little bit more with this because you know one of these guys did get the Medal of Honor. Maybe we mm-hmm. just do a, a bit more for them, and they did. So Hollywood, kudos. Um, so we we build this relationship with them, and then they get sent out. So they they go up in the, the helicopter, and then they get dropped several miles out because they're not obviously flying in an uh, aircraft into this area is everyone's going to hear it and see it right yeah it's nothing but tall mountains all it does is echo so you can hear mm-hmm. it from miles and miles and miles around bends and curves and all kinds of other crazy mm-hmm. terrain so there's no way you can sneak in there getting dropped off 10 feet from where you need to be yeah and also i think there's the issue of uh, restricted airspace because of like international agreements too. So we're not trying to. We'll drop them off and let them walk across the border, but we won't fly <laughs> across. Well, this was all in Afghanistan, all of it. Because it was close to the border, the, but it was all in Afghanistan. There's something in the book where he's talking about how they had to fly a weird way in, so they weren't flying through. So I don't know if it was restricted. But oh, was that was when they were going from from Bahrain into Afghanistan. They had oh, to yeah, fly yeah, I, south of Iran, and yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a kind of sketchy area down at the um, southern part of Pakistan, which the people oh, there cute. seem to think that they're like independent, but they're not. Uh, but yeah, it and just. Having experience in country, it's it's one of those things where it's restricted airspace, not because of international agreements within Afghanistan, obviously, but because of terrain. The aircraft might not be able to go there. So, yeah, it's wild up there. It's mm-hmm. not fun. But anyway, so they they fly in so f- as far as they can, and then they get dropped off, and they have to you know navigate themselves b- by by land. And they do that. I think it takes about six or so hours. They get there. They're good to go. They're they're resting. They're radioing in. Now, here's the issue that, you know, we get the drama from. And this is for the Hollywood aspect of it. Obviously, in real life, you know, this was serious, um, but they sort of accounted for it. But we have the, the radios not working because of the terrain. So they're not getting the regular check-ins with the headquarters that they would. So they're sort of like pseudo 
stranded out there. But they have their mission and they know what they're supposed to do. Where it goes awry is while they're waiting, they're resting, they're like huddled up under bushes, just sort of like, we're going to wait till the right time to carry out this operation and we'll just rest here. So as they're doing that, they hear bells, like the little like cowbell, goat bells things. And they're like, what the fuck is that? Do you hear that? And then out of the bush comes some goats. And then of course, with the goats, who's going to follow? The goat herders. And that's mm-hmm. what we see. We see a young boy, a middle-aged, or like, a, not a middle-aged, a, like, young, like, military-aged boy, is what we call him. But he's probably, like, 16 to 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's an old man. Where I believe in the book, how they're described, is there's no child with no. them. It's It's just, like, two guys and a sort of older guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're not that young, um, but still, like it's. I think that for the child, it creates more drama. So, this is where people might say, "Oh, this is where it went wrong." We spoke a little bit earlier about, technically speaking, a lot of the reports and assessments coming out of this is that it really wasn't what caused all this because. There's a very, very short amount of time from when the herders were let go and then they were ambushed. So they have a feeling that the uh, terrorists in the group up there knew they were there the whole time or knew for a while that they were there. Um, so this is the part that everyone, I think, that has been in the military or has an understanding of the military or who has been in this field, when they see the argument happen amongst the group so there's four of them and they're like no the geneva convention oh we're gonna go to leavenworth and no if we let them go we die and then back and forth and back and forth and then there's the whole issue of the vote where this would not happen no period like even if let's just say they hadn't prepared for this which is also bullshit because before you go out any mission is going to sort of lay out all the contingencies like this could happen if this happens and if this happens do this and this like that's just what the military does um and that's what intelligence is for is is to plan for that we don't just go out blind but anyway let's just say let's just say they did they got dropped off on the side of a mountain didn't know where the fuck they were and they just started walking and came across some goat herders let's say that's what happened no we're not going to sit here and argue and take a vote Especially not with, with and yeah, in 03. He's a Navy lieutenant, which is in 03. Yeah, that is his job out there. He is the commander of this. He is in command of this mission while they are on ground and out of comms. That is his sole purpose. To make the tough decisions. To make the decisions. I don't think, I don't, okay, I'm not going to say anything disparaging about corpsmen or combat medics. Not at all. They have an amazing, crucial job in the military. But I also just want everyone to understand that their job is not to make decisions in terms of, like, where we go and what we do. Their job is to react. Mm -hmm. And why I'm bringing this up is because Marcus Luttrell was a corpsman. That's what his training is. Yes, he went through Navy SEAL training, but his 
identifier and designee is a corpsman. So he's not making any fucking decisions up there on that hill. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to... He wants to talk about how Lieutenant Murphy is, you know, just like a really easygoing guy. and all. Sure, I'm sure he was. I would not argue that. But when it comes down to it, no officer in that position is going to be like, yeah, guys, let's take a vote. What? No. Go fuck yourself. Seriously. And that's, that is the part, I think, it, when he was interviewed and the movie came out and the book was out where everyone read that and saw that part and they're like, what? And he, mm-hmm. I watched an interview, one of his earlier on interviews. Now I think he's been molded and sculpted and um, groomed and what to coached. say. Yeah, coached. But his first interview was when they brought that up, he seemed very anxious mm-hmm. about that trying to describe because he knows it's bullshit and I will I will stand on my soapbox and I will fucking die on this hill that is bullshit right there that did not happen anyway they let the guy they let him go because we do have the Geneva Convention and it doesn't matter what liberal media what bullshit it is just the right thing to do they were not armed yeah they're hurting fucking goats. Yeah. And also, if let's say they did kill them, or let's say they did detain them and leave them there. Like, somebody's going to realize that they're missing mm-hmm. when a whole herd of goats just don't come back. Or, let's say the, the goats do come back and they don't have their herders with them. Like, mm-hmm. people are going to realize that. So, yes, it was the right decision as per our Geneva Convention, as per our rules of engagement, as per just human decency, to let these people go. And they did. In the movie, it makes it seem like that's the reason they get ambushed. We already talked about how it, it could go either way, but most reports lean towards that's not the cause. So they are, they're, they're trying to like make it out of there. They want to get comms. They're trying to find a good place to get reception or whatever. Um, and then they, they come into contact. And from here on out, this is probably like the next 45 minutes or so of this movie is just brutal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just bullet wound after bullet wound. Danny gets a shot in the hand. I think his fingers get shot off. Um, Axe gets shot in the head. The way that Marcus describes it is that like, it literally blew a chunk out of the back of his skull, which Mm -hmm. I kind of feel is bullshit. Maybe at the time, that's what he thought he saw. He is a corpsman, so that's that's his his job up there. So he is assessing these wounds. Uh, I think he may have exaggerated it. I believe the way they portrayed it in the movie, where it looked like it was, you know, skimmed or ricocheted or something, right? On the back of his head. Yeah, and, and from what I read, when Peter Berg was doing research for the movie, they went to the actual autopsy autopsy reports mm-hmm. to try to make what happened as accurate as possible in the movie. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll say, I think they did a good job. It looks, it looks and it feels real. You know, mm-hmm. it's chaotic, but they are, these are trained and lethal professionals like they're go. there's four of them going up against i think it's really what it comes down to is like 30 or something mm-hmm. based on like actual reports marcus Utrell goes back and forth it's like there's 200 of them 
There's 50. Because the, the, Maybe the, there's yeah, the number, no, there's yeah, the, num the number he states in the book is totally different than what he did in his after action debrief. Mm -hmm. Which, listen, it's chaotic. You're in a gunfight. You're being overrun. I, I, I don't think I would be able to get the number right either. No. So I think just give a number and stick to it. <laughs> if you say 50, stick to 50. Especially because you're not familiar with the terrain. You get turned around and something mm -hmm. that was right in front of you is, again, right in front of you, but it looks totally different for some reason. You might think that it is a totally different uh, scene in front of you. Yeah. And it does seem like the way um, the wounds that they, from the autopsy report, the wounds that Marcus Luttrell uh, suffered, um, and the way he describes it, it, there was definitely a good amount of them overrunning them. Was it in the hundreds? Most likely not. I think if it were in the hundreds, it would have been over a lot quicker than it was, and it probably would not have even a lone survivor. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably closer to like 20, 30, uh, which is a lot. I mean, they have automatic weapons, they have uh, grenades, they have um, artillery RPGs. that's here pulling up there. I mean, yeah, like, these are massive weapons that they're going up against. So, yeah, probably 20, 30. Now, we get, I think it's it's Danny Dietz uh, is the first to go down. Um, it's very brutal. He keeps getting shot. He keeps getting freaking blown up. But he's, he, he keeps at it. And then Marcus says that he tried to pick him up or drag him out and then Danny got shot in the head and was out in the movie though he looks like he's still conscious when they're like pulling off everything from him they're like well, his ring his and everything ring. yeah yeah and they're taking off the map and they're picking up his gun I don't know if that was for effect I really hope though that he wasn't conscious I really hope it is how Marcus said where he, he did just get shot in the head well they eventually did find all three of them but i want to say it was lieutenant murphy and matt axelson who were found first and sent back first they had to go back to try and find danny no <sighs> well i think they all got beat up. They all just fucking mm -hmm. like pulverized during this because not only are they getting shot at and blown up, they're also getting pushed and not physically pushed. Like they're, they're getting closed in on and their only direction out is to basically go down a cliff. Mm -hmm. And I think they do this two or three times Yeah, where they're, they're jumping down and they're skinned down. They're falling. They're hitting their head. They're cracking kneecaps, twisting ankles. Like it is brutal. And I think the movie showed it in a very... I don't want to say artistic to make it sound pretentious, but I think in a, in a visual way that you you understand that it's brutal, but it's also like palatable. Like you can still watch it and not cringe or shut your eyes the entire time. So mm -hmm. uh, if if that makes sense to anyone, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yes, Danny Dietz is the first in the movie to sort of go down, but it does look like you don't actually see him die. But there's there's no coming out of it. They've all kind of written him off. Not written him off in a bad way, just like he there's no way. There's no way he made it. But the movie shows that he's conscious. The next one to go is 
um, Lieutenant Murphy. And he receives the Medal of Honor for his actions during this scene. <sighs> Not mm-hmm. going to cry. The way it's described and portrayed in the movie is that they need to radio out because nobody knows where they are. They have not been able to check in for hours. Nobody even knows they're they're, in contact at all. Right. Right. They don't know that they have troops in contact. They, They don't even know where they are because at this point they're so far off their route because they've been pushed and pushed and pushed. Uh, so he's like, I need to get a radio, something out. So he sees an opening. It's it's far enough away from the mountainside where he could probably get some reception. You kind of, rem- okay, I'm not trying to make light of this, but this is just how I, I makes me, reminds me of. So if anyone out there is trying to visualize it and hasn't seen the movie, think about like Pride Rock mm-hmm. where in The Lion King, where you have that piece that like juts out. It's kind of like that. Like, there's a piece of the mountain here that's jutting out. And so he climbs up there uh, under fire. He's trying to fire back. But all he wants to do is just get the call going so they they know where he's at. So he gets out there, still getting shot at. He's able to reach the, the base. And I think he talks to Shane on the phone. That's how it's described in the movie. Um and now they're in a mad dash because of that to try and find them. And they're trying to send troops out uh, to come to their aid. But he's already out there in the open. And he he knows this. Now, I can only assume from this and the way that Marcus describes and the way it's portrayed in the movie that there's no way he went out there thinking he was going to come back down from that. So, uh, Lieutenant Murphy is the second one of the group who, again, we we see him get shot, and we kind of see him slump over, and then we cut to Marcus and Axe. Axe, at this point, is fucked up. He's been shot in the head. He's been shot in the shoulder. I think he's been shot in the leg. He's fallen down cliffs. I think he smacked his head twice uh, coming down, so he's probably got just a massive concussion as well. But mm-hmm. he's not giving up. He's like, this is it. I'm, I'm still going for it. In the movie, he asks, and how Marcus describes it in the book, is that Axe kind of asks, like, where's where's Murphy? Where's Mike? Um, and Marcus tells him, like, he, he's up there. He's, he's calling radio. And I think Axe at this point is like, how? Like, there's no fucking way he's coming down. Um, so it makes it seem like Marcus is the only one that is aware that Lieutenant Murphy has done this. So now we have the two of them and Mark is like, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Um, and again, they head out having to like fall down another cliffside. And this is where I think acts like it's just too much on his body. And he, I believe he gets shot again. Um, and I think in the book, Marcus says that he's, really not sure how Axe goes out because I don't think he saw it because I think when they fell down he got like jutted off to another area and he wasn't in direct line of sight of him. They got separated. So I believe yeah. So now I believe how the movie portrays it is most likely based off where they found the body and how it's reported and the autopsy report. 
But in the movie, they show him just completely out of it, but not giving up. He's sort of hunched up next to the tree. He knows that there's there's enemies out there, and he's still just firing. Um, and then I think the movie kind of plays on this where there's a, an enemy shooter, a terrorist, that is firing at him, but misses him several times. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's very close. And not to make light of this, but Jackie and I can attest that these people over there, they are not good marksmen at all. So it's I don't know. spray and pray. Yeah. So I don't know if they're like trying to be like a little bit humorous. I hope, I, I don't think so, but they do play on the fact that he's sitting there, he's out of it. He's basically a fish, you know, a sitting fish in water and they still couldn't get him to like three or four shots later where they, they shoot him in the head. So now we have Marcus Luttrell who's on his own. In the movie, it makes it seem like it has very happens very quickly. He gets in the water. He's he's walking. Um, then he comes about this other group of people who ultimately are is the man who saves him. Uh, but in the book, and Marcus' report is like, oh no, the movie doesn't have right. They had me up walking around, but I was like paralyzed from the waist down. So I crawled seven miles. Are you fucking kidding me? No, no, you didn't. And there's nothing to corroborate that either. I tried looking it up. There's nothing to corroborate that that's the case. That he couldn't. It would take forever to crawl seven miles. Yeah. There's no way. And there's nothing reported that corroborates the fact that he was, one, even paralyzed, and two, had to crawl. Yeah, seven miles crawling? That's like a three-day journey right there. Mm -hmm. But no, this all happened in the same day when he was found. So, whatever. Uh, uh, I forget his name. The the man who saved him. Um, Gulab. What is it? Gulab. G U L A B. Gulab. Oh, so Gulab finds him with his uh, entourage, and they bring him back to their village. And I, I think they in the movie there's like a little cutscene or like a title page that explains somewhat that the reason they brought him in and protected him is that this is like a thousand year old custom yeah it's pashtumali in their, yeah in their tribe where they will defend their guests to the death against anyone so it doesn't matter that you know the taliban are coming in and, and doing anything it's there is guests they found him they're taking care of him and in the movie it shows that uh it is Muhammad Gulab. Muhammad. I knew it. Muhammad Gulab. So before he gets rescued, there's another part in the movie is when the chopper goes down. Um, and this is where the other members of the SEAL team are killed. And it, it's it's just a horrific, unfortunate event that happens where the helicopter gets shot down. And 16 people lose. total. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were SEALs. There were Army Special Forces. I think there we lost a lot of people. And that's where Shane and uh, Christensen. Um, Christensen and a lot of the other members that are mentioned uh, by name, somewhat in the book. And then also there's pictures and credits to them in the movie. But that is where they're lost. So this scene must have been reimagined through reports because Marcus admits that he didn't see this. He didn't even know that they were on their way and didn't know that they went down. 
But in the movie, it makes it, it shows that him seeing it go down. So now it gives you like, I guess, a little bit more despair in the movie. But he was unaware of this at the time. Okay, so now uh, Muhammad Gulab brings him back to their village. He's taking care of them. In the book, it, even though Marcus is like, oh my god, I owe my life to this man. He's still like talking shit about him. Like, they gave me a dirty water bottle. Blah, 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 blah. They're literally saving your life. They're save. They're saving you from crawling those seven miles. Apparently, that you had to do. But uh, so I believe he's there for four days. Mm-hmm. Where in the movie it makes it seem as if he gets there, and then all of a sudden the Taliban are coming in, attacking the town, and they send some old man off into the mountains to go find Americans. I'm sorry, but. Well, it's so, they they look kind of funny, though, right? They they did send somebody to um, yeah, Jabad with mm-hmm. a note, and that was how they realized, hey, shit, we got to go up and get him because somebody's still alive. I so that is accurate. Funny. It is accurate, but it's also just really funny to see where they're like him pointing at a map. Right? Mm-hmm. Does not speak their language. Pointing at a map. And then them turning around and this old man, old, old man with a cane, walking stick. And then you just see him like walking off into the sunset mm-hmm. towards the mountains. And yes, accurate, but come on. It's a little funny. <laughs> like that's something where if it were fiction and in a book, somebody would be like, there's no fucking way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost as believable as Marcus crawling for seven miles. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so he does do that, uh, but in the time being, you know, Marcus is in his home, in, in Muhammad Gulab's home, and they're tending to him. There's a little kid interaction that he has, which is cute, uh, him bringing him the duck when he wants a knife, and then uh, later on, they show, like, they're getting attacked, and the kid gives him a knife. Marcus admits that that didn't happen. Um, here, okay, so I'm going to say something. Doesn't it seem interesting that the only time Marcus is like, oh no, that's, that's not what happened, is when there's other people around to corroborate it. I mean, it's possible, yeah. He's like, oh no, the kid didn't give me that, or oh no, I didn't do this, or oh no, I didn't do that. And it's like, the only time he starts denying things, or saying things that are more realistic is when he comes into contact with the village, with this tribe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I digress. So now there's this like big blowout scene where the Taliban come in and they're going to like behead him. And again, he's like, no, that didn't happen. Cause of course there were other people around. They're going to be like, no, nobody came to cut his head off. Um, and then they, they're, fighting and that's all of a sudden the rangers come in and they're like blah, blah, helicopters and fucking apache blah, shooting them up and it's like woo america um that did not happen yeah it didn't the rangers they landed they uh identified marcus they were there for several hours there's a, a story about them drinking tea with the tribesmen and doing a debriefing and then they all got in the plane meaning Marcus and the Rangers, and they flew off into the sunset. At no point did Marcus's heart stop beating mm-hmm. at all, like how it shows in the movie. Um, and apparently he wasn't paralyzed anymore because he walked 
onto well, I, the chopper. I saw him on the flight line. Yeah, so what happened to... I was so paralyzed that I had to crawl seven miles to all of a sudden... Four days later, you are walking onto a chopper. Oh, it was oh, it, it was hysterical paralysis. Yeah, well, I think it's because there were other people around, and all of a sudden, his body is like, "Oh, we're good." But again, I digress. So there's that. Um, and I mean, that's there we go. That's essentially it. Yeah. So we get two hours. Of more, actually, I'm going to give it an hour and 45 minutes because the last 15, 20 minutes of this movie, he was with other people that can corroborate stories. So I'm going to go hour and 45 minutes of his absolute bullshit, and and not bullshit like this. And I believe wholeheartedly because there are reports for this part where you know Lieutenant Murphy does call in. We do have the autopsy reports for these other men, these heroes that were down there. Um, so, yeah, no, I believe that. I just think it's a little convenient for Marcus's story. So, Marcus, you can go fuck yourself. Because <laughs> um, I know it was just me ranting for about 45 minutes. I just wanted to give you your space and time <laughs> to get that off your chest because I know it's been weighing on you and for our listeners out there it was like pulling teeth to try and actually find the time to record this episode because we were both not that we didn't have time there's there's a lot of times Jackie and I were just bullshitting sitting on the couch I mean hell we watched (laughs) Cabin in the Woods yesterday and then about like five or six episodes of the history of horror so so we had tons of time yeah we just did not have the mental and I mean, we didn't have to go to Rob Zombie on Saturday, but we did. We did, and it was fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> no, okay. Uh, if it isn't clear from comments that I've made already, I was in Afghanistan when all of this stuff happened. It was an incredibly difficult time to be there. And if you can't tell, I'm a female. And um, they don't really like it when we go out on the front lines and stuff like this. Uh, So to be completely helpless when your fellow service members are in a situation like this, it's, it's very difficult. Very difficult. To the point where the first time I watched this movie, I was sobbing like a baby. Um, I was on the flight line when the first two bodies that they found were put on the plane and I saw Marcus Luttrell get out of a vehicle and walk up to a formation of Navy SEALs. And there was also a formation of Marines there at the time because a Marine had also died. Yes. To this day, anytime I hear Amazing Grace played on the bagpipes, I get emotional. I was also standing on Disney Drive at Bagram when the 16 coffins of those 16 people on that Chinook that got shot down rolled down the street to go home for the last time. To take an event like this and write a book like this 
is doing an incredible disservice, I think, to the people who gave their lives for it. And that is all I have to say about it. Thank you. Well said, Jackie. Well said. And I, I agree. And how about we just get into these reviews? I'll give Jackie a second. I'll do mine first. Uh, the book, um, zero out of five. I think it's absolutely horseshit. I think it's written terribly. I think him talking about how great he is, how almost great his brother is, his mommy and his daddy, his Texas ranch they grew up on, but God forbid these fucking liberals, they lost everything. Like, I'm, how dare you? If for anyone out there's like, oh my God, you are so wrapped up in the bullshit I really just, I I need you to step back for a second and understand that this guy is a fucking asshole. He is one of those military dudes. We've been, we've served with them. They just think they are God's gift to this planet. And that is, that is him in this book. How are you going to take half a book supposed to be about this operation, not even get the fucking name right of your own operation? And, and half the book is just about you and all your bullshit. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but I love my brothers. I love my brothers. And then you're talking about how you're going and you're honoring them, even though it's hard for you to go see all their families. And what do you do when you get to Patchogue, New York, and see Lieutenant Murphy's mother? You fucking lie to her. He lies to her. He says, oh, I was doing her service. Which she's, He says, oh, he died quickly. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. So if you're going to tell her that, that your son died quickly and did not suffer, but then you're going to fucking mass produce a book that goes into detail about how that's not true and then have sell the rights to make a movie to show that that's not true. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So zero out of five. Absolute horseshit. And I'm not even going to lie. We say we don't DNF. Jackie and I both DNF this book. We skimmed the shit out of it. And then we just did our own research. Um, movie, movie, I'm going to give eight out of 10. I think Hollywood did a solid job on this. Um, where it loses points for me is I think they try to over, over New York coming out, um, over dramatize things that just didn't need it because the story itself of what these men went through is, is enough. You didn't need to add the other stuff. So that's where they lose his points. But I think, well done. I think the actors did a great job. I think Hollywood did um, service to these other men that lost their lives that Marcus Luttrell did not. I would agree with that. Um, I don't understand the need to inject a freaking firefight at the end between the Rangers and the, the Al-Qaeda guys. There was enough gunfight in the movie already. <laughs> that actually happened. Why? Yep. No. Why? Porque. <laughs> a book. Uh, I I didn't know that zero was an option. Um, it's not. I made it an option. Okay. So I gave it a one out of five. Uh, this is my reasoning. And I'm going to read word for word what I put in our notes. We've seen or rather read, that it's possible to tell a story about events like this without injecting ridiculous content. Unbroken, I'm looking at you. You are the standard. 
Gold standard. Platinum standard. Mm-hmm. What's worth more than platinum? Titanium? I don't know. Diamond. Diamond? Epically? Stardust? Awesome. <laughs> Pixie dust. <Yeah>. Duh. <laughs> Pixie dust. We're <laughs> Disney people. Where's Tinkerbell when you need her? Unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without the political, but, quote, I am not a political person, page 37 in my Kindle edition commentary. Jackie cited this shit for you. That's how serious this is. Yes. Put some footnotes in there. <laughs> yes. I'm with Mel. I don't like media in general because everybody has a fucking agenda. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. What you choose to listen to and what you choose to take from what you listen to is up to you entirely. Don't put it in a book like this. It doesn't belong there. It doesn't. Show don't. No. Movie 8 out of 10. Movies I... Uh, so I think that makes it um pretty clear yeah. watch for it. our rewatch yeah. or DNF. Yeah, watch, uh, watch, yeah watch. watch it. Watch. I would also suggest that you go and... Actually, you know what? No. Do not go get a copy of this. Actually, you know what? Since it is going to charity, go ahead. Go buy a copy of this. It's it's going to charity. It's going to a good cause because he's making all his money off the movie that he immediately sold the rights to. Um, go buy the book. Give the charity. And then burn it. Whew. All right. We are done with Military Month, Jackie. We did it. That was harder than I thought it was going to be. Dude, and the ones we... that I was nervous about surprised me like i was nervous about getting into unbroken that was easy to talk about it was was not easy to read or watch it was very very tough because it was so emotional and all the shit that happened but i think if we had to rank and i'm just gonna say my number one for this month uh it's definitely gonna be unbroken as number one Mm -hmm. both book and movie same actually yeah unbroken is number one for me um, I would say We Were Soldiers is next. I think, remember... The movie. I didn't... Yeah, the movie. Um, and, and the book, too, to a point where, like, I think we both agreed that the book is an amazing reference. Um, yeah. And you, and you still got a lot out of the book. I just... It's not one of those where Jackie and I are, you know, every week we're, we're reading books. And we also have other books that we want to read. So we're going down. And I wouldn't say we're speed reading, but we're, like, we're not going in and close reading in these books. We're just reading it like we would a normal novel. And We Were mm-hmm. Soldiers isn't meant for that. But still number two. Then I would say... <sighs> Honestly, for me, it would be Red Badge. Okay, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to say Jarhead, just because even the book and the movie are just a little bit more entertaining for me. Yeah. Still calling bullshit on everything, but entertaining. And also, if I want to... You know, for eye candy, I'm, I'm going to pick oh, James okay. Hall yeah. over Audie okay. Murphy. Okay, uh, Audie Murphy. Don't get me wrong; he's a short king out there. He was, he was a he was a cutie patootie, but uh, he's more Jackie's height, uh, not necessarily <laughs> my height. <laughs> it helps uh, that I never but, wear high uh, high heels. I only ever wear flats. So, so I'm red good. badge of courage is going to be like right next to it. You know, like just barely below it, and then. Um, I'm going to dig a fucking grave and then dig a little bit deeper. And then Lone Survivor book is down there where 
the movie is up here in the daylight with the rest of us. Okay. I agree with that So assessment. we are rolling into August, and what is August? Happy birthday, Mel! It's my birthday month! My birthday! So we are going to be doing some of my favorites. Uh, the first one we're jumping into is The Secret Garden, and we're going to be doing the new adaptation of it, which we didn't even realize was a thing until we did, and then there were none when we were checking the casting, because one of the actresses in there is in that movie. I was like, I didn't realize they made another movie that's probably one of my favorites uh then we are taking a quick break for one week because we are going on vacation and then we're coming back and we're going to jump into the color color purple purple, another favorite of mine and And mel's 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 birthday present to herself is making me read and watch the exorcist it's going to be amazing. So this is why we were talking about the history of horror. I found this show. It's it's hosted by Eli Roth. And they go with these different episodes. They go through all different horror genres. And it's just, you know, the filming and the direction of it. Uh, and I saw, I was like, Jackie, we should watch this. Because I think it'll help desensitize you to a little bit. Because it shows a lot the of behind case. the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when they get to the episode where they're talking about possessions. And obviously exorcists in that genre. Uh... All of them, mind you, these are horror aficionados. You know, they are, they love them some horror. We're talking about Quentin Tarantino, Eli Roth, you know, Rob Zombie's in there too. We're talking about all these people. And then film scholars with PhDs, all of them agree that The Exorcist is probably the scariest movie out there. Um, And I just turned to Jackie and was like, maybe this was the wrong show to watch. So... But we will be doing The Exorcist, and then the last week of my birthday month, we'll be doing Interview with the Vampire. Get us some Yay! And, yeah. and some some trashy Anne Rice. I love it. Oh, God, I love some trashy Anne Rice. Uh, so I snuck another horror one in there, but it's not... That one's... I've read... Sort of more I've read reality. the book. I've read multiple Anne Rice books, and I've seen yeah. the movie, so I'm yeah, good. So- we're going to be all right with that. Yeah. But yeah, so next week, uh, come back, join us, get a little lighter. We're going to, that's why we're driving into the, we're dive, diving into the secret garden because. We're driving we're, into it. We're driving into it. I'm sure we can find a secret garden somewhere and just plow right through the fence. <laughs> but we need something lighter. We need some, we need some, just, need some historical fiction in our life. All right. So maybe, well, maybe Mel, in the future, we should uh, take listener suggestions for themes in a month instead of we should sitting here drinking and being like, you know, what's a good idea? Really yeah. depressing military shit. Yeah. Or the immediately month after Let's do all of Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> we clearly do not like our livers. That's <laughs> that's what we've proven. <laughs> You know, that's a good idea. I think on social media, I'll put it out there and see, get some uh, viewer. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing it. I'm drunk. We'll now. see what people say. <laughs> see, but yeah, we, we won't. I, I won't do what graphic novels. Um, although that could potentially be a pretty quick read. Um, mm-hmm. And no we Nicholas Sparks. Absolutely no, oh, yeah, no Nicholas Sparks. Sparks. No Nicholas Sparks. Definitely not. No. I'm not going to do it. Well, until then, bye. Bye.